and I actually want them to track me because I, I feel like it's kind of like voting with your dollar, but instead it's voting with your data of um, I can show them what things I like and don't like and, and make a better internet by doing so without harming myself. But once they give my email address to somebody who's going to email me, then, then it's, you know, all bets are off. <laughs> they have made an enemy of me. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So I, as you may know, I watch a lot of random stuff on, on YouTube. Um, and I was telling Jen this morning that I've been watching a bunch of YouTube videos on making, um, hoagie rolls. And, and so I'm now committing to trying to make my own hoagie rolls for sandwich, jelly sandwiches. Okay. Um, but I don't know how I ended up going down this path. I was just watching videos on bread making. And then one of the suggested videos, excuse me, was on how to properly, uh, trim your beard. Mm-hmm. And apparently I've been doing it wrong all this time because I've been going along the jawline and apparently you're supposed to go down further and then have some kind of direct oh. line up here. And it's like, oh, you put your finger here and then shave to here. And I'm like, this is too complicated. I just need to go to a barber and have my beard lined up. So my question for you is, have you had a proper beard lineup before? Mm. I think we should do this. At least once. So, uh, my buddy who got married 15 years ago, um, the morning of the wedding, what we do, you know, all of the groomsmen and him, we went out and got like professional shaves. We went to a shave place and we got it done. So I think it was then and maybe one other time I may have done it other than that. Yeah. It's just me hacking along. And I did the same thing kind of like right up to like the jawline or just below it. So apparently this guy says, if you do that, it makes your face look rounder. And if you want like that more chiseled, you know, natural look, like you're supposed to bring it lowered, like just above your Adam's apple. So yeah, we're going to have to do this and then compare notes. Yeah. I'll I'll find a place around here. Pre and post pictures. There's a a couple good shops in Salt Lake and actually one down in Orem Provo. So Mm -hmm. we should make this happen. Yeah. Like let me let it grow for like two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And then go and get it done. Cool. Jen, we'll have to find something else for you to participate. No comment. Did we lose Jen? Uh-oh. Do we lose her? It's okay. The dog's going to go crazy in a minute anyway. <laughs> no, I was on mute because I stepped away from my computer and didn't want to be loud. Okay, fair enough. So, but I'm back. Um, Trying to figure out if I can make myself presentable enough to not be ashamed to be on video. No, no, don't. No, don't, no, no, don't worry about it. 99.99% of our audience uh, listens to the audio show. All right. All right. So. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we don't have that much of a YouTube following yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are good in that, in that sense. So you want to talk about YouTube 
rabbit holes. I've been going down the whole travel trailer and RV rabbit hole. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's like, I, I want to say maybe two months ago, I started having this idea of like, well, we've been talking about doing road trips like in, in a few years when JP's a little bit older doing, doing road trips, especially going out West, seeing all of the national parks and, and whatnot. I started having this idea, like, you know, you know, how do we do that? How do we, you know, go about it? Oh, get get a get a trailer. Get like a get one of the smaller ones, because I'm also looking probably in the next six months to get a new truck. And if if this is the idea, like what what would I be able to tow with this one? Do I go up a model? Whatever, you know, kind of going down that, preparing for something in two to three years. But I there are some really cool ones that aren't that big and aren't that expensive. Like I mean, it's like you can get a decent camping trailer um oh there's jen trying to decide if i'm okay with it you look okay, great there we go hi hello um i mean there are some really cool ones out there that aren't that big that aren't that expensive and give you some awesome freaking amenities so i'm kind of going down that route and i was talking to evan the other day because i know he's got the airstream and yeah i was just like now again i'm two years three years in the future and he's like actually by then the market might be you have a lot of people you know trying to to sell them but you'd be able to get a good deal on a on a used one but i'm thinking about like oh wouldn't this be cool yeah to 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 go out because you can get some you know some of the campgrounds out there that have wi-fi as part of part of your stay you can get all of the various hookups for for satellite all of those things i'm like this is a lot of fun there's yeah i've always really wanted to do that I would love that. Yeah. And I mean, there's a ton so of... much gas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but there's also like a ton of campgrounds, even just in this area. So even down like at the shore where we normally go to, there's a ton of them down there, tow it down there, hook up for, for two weeks. And then, you know, we can go over to the beach and all of them have pools. And I don't know. I'm just kind of like in that, that, that realm right now. Like, oh, this could be really, yeah, really that sounds fun. delightful. My my, I I think that sounds amazing. You, you know what my biggest uh, hang up is on the whole thing? Hmm. What? I'm scared to back. Oh. So yeah. some of them I've been looking at, they actually have hookups for backup cameras, so you could tie it into your vehicle's backup camera. So I'm trying to figure out like what you know how difficult is that to do? Because yeah, that would worry me too. Is is backing it up? But yeah, apparently the, a lot of them are now coming pre-wired so you can hook up a backup camera to it. So that's where we had a camper trailer growing up. It was like 40 years old by the time it got to us and had like 70s colors and bright green carpet and whatever. But um, it was fantastic. It was the only way we could go on vacation because we weren't wealthy and we had five children in my family. Um, but my dad is a bus driver. So he is amazing at backing up trailers and all of like if there were a competition for it i mean it's a, <laughs> like, it's a very real skill. he could do it like down to the inch he knew the limits and and all of that so we'd always just call him up and have him do it i i, I just have this one memory and it wasn't me but a, a buddy of mine um he was going to some place to pick up a bunch of wiring supplies and he had like just one of those little trailers that you can tow behind really like mm-hmm. a suv and uh they're like yeah just pull it into the bag just back it into our back lot and we'll we'll load it up and and it was like 
and eventually they came out and said, dude, uh, are you okay if we if we just have the keys and we'll back it in for you? And I'm like, I never want to be that embarrassed in the campground in front oh, of no. a bunch of people because I can't back it in. Well, I mean, like most of them are pull through these days. Yeah, a lot of yeah. them are. So you you have that, and then even some of the ones like, uh, yeah, I can get see how that would be intimidating with some of the bigger ones out there. But there are some really small ones and like ones that are like really big on the inside, but have like the small teardrop uh mm-hmm. dimensions on the outside mm-hmm. i'm like okay if we start small maybe even rent one a couple times just to kind of get the feel of it to get the practice down of, of moving that thing it would be super fun i mean especially while your boy is is yeah. young um yeah be super fun to to do and hey you may even end up liking it and be like uh, you may pull a Todd and say you know what we're gonna we're gonna homeschool him for a year and we're just gonna travel around the country and hang out in different uh, parks. I haven't told my wife, but yes, that thought has crossed my mind. You know, being able to work from it is is to- a total possibility. So speaking of YouTube rabbit holes, and sorry it's taking us so long to get on topic here, but well, um, no, I think it gives us actually a good segue. Okay, good. <laughs> um, there there is a whole genre on YouTube of people, and this was happening pre-pandemic, but as you can imagine, it's even exploded more so now, of people that were working remote. I um, mean, it's a lot of coders and designers um, that decided to basically simplify um by really really fancy rvs like trailers but you know basically sell their homes or mm-hmm. sell their homes and then buy like something small to have a home base but really put their money in the trailer and then just go around and dock somewhere and work for a month and then move somewhere else and like to hear they and they they get into such detail talking about their setup both like technology and hardware wise, and then just how they frame their day. It, I, it's so fascinating to me. Yeah. I would love to do something like that. Except, you know, kids and all of that. Uh, mm. Complicate it. Yeah. They do make things challenging. Cool. Yeah. I have, to, I have to look up that one, that, that one too. Cause the one, one, the one brand I came across they actually were part of their marketing on their site was to the digital nomad. And, you know, you see, they have a picture of the guy with like, um, like I guess the one model had like the one side that just completely flipped down sitting there at the table with the laptop with this beautiful Vista yeah, you know, in the background. And of course I'm like, I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> the other, the other concern is that you really have to study and understand where the different paths are because i'm i'm assuming like all of the quote-unquote comfortable parks that you could just pull into are probably at this point getting overrun so yeah. you're gonna have to be a little bit more creative to find those off the path type of spaces where you're really out there but still somewhat connected to civilization yeah cool but and and so the segue i have is as you were talking about like we're talking about going down the YouTube rabbit hole of like, you, know, you start one video and then good recommendation coming in for another one. And the next thing you know, your entire feed is, is all related videos that take you from one thing to the next. So we've started a series of episodes around privacy and Jen, you know, thanks for, for joining us this week. Um, definitely interested in getting your input on, on this topic. Um, so instead of just digging into like the nuts and bolts of like, how, you know, current privacy compliance, I want to actually go up several levels. 
And the question I have for today is, um, so, you know, where that segue was going with like the YouTube rabbit holes, the data, you know, what, what you're watching and then being able to provide relevant recommendations and, and, and whatnot is the question I have for you both is what is privacy when it comes to the internet? Right. It's, it's a hot topic and it's been that way for a couple of years now, but I really think as I was putting this episode together, I was really thinking like the term privacy when it comes to being online, using connected devices has lost its meaning. If, you know, when you say privacy to different people, you're going to get different responses of what it means and, um, and whatnot. So where we're going to start with is, is what does it mean to have privacy online? And does privacy equal anonymity? I think that, that that's a question to kind of keep it, keep it going there. So yeah, let, let's start at the highest level. Like what is both of your perspectives on what is privacy and privacy to you when online? Uh, I think for me, and I'm, I'm probably one extreme end of the spectrum when it comes to privacy of, I don't really care about it. Um, I mean, for my clients and, and all of that, but for my own sake, I don't really care about it. I love personalized advertising. Um, I don't particularly mind uh, a lot of the stuff um, that, uh, you know, cookies and ITP and, and GDPR, all of the things that those things are preventing are not concerns of mine. Um, so for me, privacy is mostly, I, I think it is tied to the anonymity that people can't tie what I'm doing online to who I am as a person. Um, and uh, perhaps because I know how the technology works, if I get a personalized ad, I don't see that as a privacy thing because I know that there is no person looking at, oh, she looked at this product on this side and that product on that side, and here's how we match them up. It's just an algorithm. It's, it's not making value judgments on me. Um, I'm, I'm not very concerned about it at all. But uh, yeah, it, it's definitely a, a tough question on, uh, on online stuff because a lot of the stuff that we're focusing on, like I said, GDPR and ITP and all of that, is focusing on stuff that's not necessarily the privacy problem um, of you know the, the things that actually can backfire and harm us personally. Those things we're not focusing on because they're much harder to deal with than just saying no third-party cookies. So to me, third-party cookies have very little to do with privacy. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm very similar to, to Jen in that um, I, I, I don't think a lot about it from a personal perspective. In fact, I, Jim, you and I talked about this. I, I actually sometimes go out of my way to make sure I'm being tracked. Um, one, I kind of, I feel for those that are trying to analyze data and I'm like, I should give them some data to analyze. Uh, and two, just from a, a work perspective, I've, I've always found this balance really interesting where you work in a technology and then you say, you know, this is what I do for a job and I'm absolutely against it. Not, not, not simply from an ethical standpoint, but more from just an experience standpoint. So I look at me opting in and being tracked and understanding kind of how that works and seeing what that flow looks like. I see that as a huge part of my continual learning experience um, that is helping make me a better guide for, for the clients that, that, that we work with. Um, and so for me to kind of turn, a, turn a, a blind eye towards it, I, I think 
limits my ability to to gather information about how it's actually happening. However, I think the bigger kind of decision around it is that there there definitely are some components there that we need to be aware of. And from a anonymity perspective, from a, if I don't want you to have my cell phone number or, you know, my date of birth, like I think there needs to be a core set of, of data where companies are aligning to some kind of standard around that, that very personal data. But you knowing, you know, that I looked at a certain product and then came back two days later and looked at another one to Jen's point, like I want that level of intelligence. There's just so much content and product out there that I can't do it on my own. I need something to help kind of surface things that um, are in what I want to to consume. So for me, I, I look forward to having that opportunity. Um, the other thoughts I have on it is that to, to Jen's point, saying something like, I kind of know how it, you know, we know how it works. It really puts you in a slightly different frame of mind um, compared to all of the FUD that the journalists like to write about. And, you know, it's honestly just nothing like the social dilemma. You know, there's not some like central command center that said, oh, Jen gets up at six in the morning and then does this and then she does that. Then she turns on her TV and then she does this and then she searches Google for that. Like, it just isn't happening. Um, you know, we can we can make up these these uh, fanciful stories that there's some bigger overlord that's, that's like watching. It's just It just doesn't happen to that level. Um, and even within companies, you know, it's like, well, you know, da, 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 da. It's like there are some there are companies that are doing very, very advanced things with with data. But the ability to take it to some extreme, like we work with these companies, I'm telling you right now, they're not doing the things that you're scared the most of. Um, can they predict your buying habits? Absolutely. You know, they, can they predict what you want to buy next month or three months from now? Yeah. I mean, as, as you're consuming their their digital properties, as you're buying products, they build up a bigger and bigger profile for, for you. But do they know that like every little thought you have and can tighten, it, it just isn't that, that complicated. Yeah. Um, and the bigger thing is, I think it's absolutely... I don't know if it was media created, but right now it's media driven. It's, uh, you know, the, there's a really strong narrative to the layperson that doesn't really understand how this works, that it's very easy to get people very emotionally tied into a story. And so right now it's like online privacy. But if you go ask the same person and say, well, what level of privacy do you have when you drive from your house to the grocery store? They're mm-hmm. like, I don't, what do you mean? I'm, it's, it's private. I'm like, no, it's not. Like there are, there are probably 50 traffic cameras from your house to your grocery store where someone knows every inch along that journey where you are, your license plate can start to correlate things. So why aren't you as freaked out about that as you are online? It's because they haven't been force fed that. And so I think that's a big part of it as well. So, yeah. And I, I think of it a lot as the, I go to a grocery store. I don't mind if the cashier sees that I'm buying something embarrassing because they don't know who I am. Um, now if they're able to view that I'm buying something embarrassing and they know that I am Jen Coons and I live at this address and can then mail me about it and stuff, that's where I get bothered. And it's very same with data for me that privacy, I guess, to me has a lot to do with control over what comes into my space. So, you know, in the physical world with the, the, uh, cashier, the example would be, you know, them coming to my home, um, in the digital word world, it might be them coming to my mailbox or my, or my phone. Um, and, and that's where I want control. And it's important to me to be able to, to say who can come into my space based off of what they think they know about me. 
if I'm going to their website, they can do whatever they want because <laughs> that to me is is a public space like a store practically and um, and I actually want them to track me because I, I feel like it's kind of like voting with your dollar, but instead it's voting with your data of um, I can show them what things I like and don't like and, and make a better internet by doing so without harming myself. But once they give my email address to somebody who's going to email me, then, then it's, you know, all bets are off. <laughs> they have made an enemy of me. So you've asked us, Jim, what are, what are mm -hmm. your, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So I, you know, I, you've both said things that, you know, have been, you know, in, in my thoughts, as I was thinking this through, this is a very nuanced thing. There's multiple levels to it, but the conversation is, is always polarized. It's, it's either all or nothing. And, and honestly, and this is a whole other topic is, is I kind of feel like the whole cookie thing is a smokescreen to this oh, yeah. point where Jen, Absolutely. you were just talking about sharing email addresses and and things like that um and, and you're both right about like being out in the real world like you know just because you're driving in your car doesn't mean you're anonymous you know apple has their find my it used to be find my iphone now it's just find my and you know like if you're connected with friends you can see where you and your friends are at um if you're going through tolls and you have an easy pass you know that, that that's tagging your your location so yeah just um you know, there's, there's people that are going to, to be able to do that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, and, and whenever this topic comes up and people are riled up, it, it's all about like the cookie and tracking what you view online. Yes, that is in many ways harmless. I, I want a site to know, Jen, to your point, like, what am I looking at? You know, tailor recommendations to what I'm looking at, my, my purchase history. Um, tracking that kind of information is, is mostly harmless. It's, I think for me, the privacy concerns come in with the sharing of data. And so while people may be all wound up about making sure they have privacy blockers on and they're rejecting cookies, but does anybody else know, know that little, you know, see that little checkbox when you sign up for an account that says, you know, allow us to share your data with our preferred partners. Mm -hmm. That's my concern. Yeah. Any, any site where you have authenticated and made an account has far more potential to damage your privacy than a third party cookie. And we do that all the time without mm -hmm. looking at the fine print or anything. Um, and, yeah. and one thing I want to point out, like we go you know, with one of the things we've seen with GDPR with GDPR in Europe, you have to have explicit opt-in to those kind of settings. You know, so for you know multinational companies that you know that work in both the European countries and in the US, they have to have you opt-in to can we send you emails? Can we share your information with our preferred third-party partners and blah, 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 blah. In the US, you they, they don't need that it's it's explicit opt-out. So that's the one thing there. If you, you know, if you're not paying attention, you're rushing through registering for an account, chances are that box is already checked for you. And yeah, so that, that's where my concern comes in. Yeah. Um, so, so, so I, I kind of asked at the beginning, you know, like are anonymity and privacy the same thing or are they related? Um, you know, what are your thoughts on, on the anonymity? aspect of it. Uh, Jen, you touched on it a little bit, uh, you know, earlier on about, you know, 
people knowing what activity you're doing, but they can't necessarily tie that to to you, your physical address and whatnot. Are there any other aspects of, of anonymity that is either confused with privacy and, and incorrectly so, or things that people aren't considering? Jason's eating something. What are you eating, Jason? <laughs> Chick-fil-A breakfast bowl. Oh, very nice. nice. Um, Jim always schedules um, the podcast recordings when I'm hungry. So like in <laughs> half of the recordings I'm eating. So I apologize. Well, at, th at this point, it's a um, Pavlovian it's a, response. Yeah, it's there a, you go. Yeah, it's a thing now. Uh, let's see here. Anonymity. It's hard for me because uh, let's talk about like the NSA listening in on phone conversations and that type of thing where in the past I've always been like, well, I don't care that I have a very boring, like they're welcome to listen to the very boring uh, every day. I'm not doing anything exciting or, or dangerous that, that they'd call me out on. I don't care. They do what they want. Um, until I, I looked more into or learned more about uh, say some of the social justice, civil rights movement type of stuff. And, okay, it doesn't really matter if they're listening in on me, but uh, back in Martin Luther King Jr.'s days, they were listening on him and it actually did a lot of damage to him and his family that he didn't have that sort of protection. So while it may or may not matter to me, I can see cases in which it's important that people can be anonymous and, and safe in their, their own sphere. Um, I still just don't think that has anything to do with cookies. <laughs> You know, like nobody is going to use a cookie to say, oh, this this uh, social justice deviant that we, we want to track down is buying gas masks here and like look them up. And like that just it doesn't exist. It's not a thing. And if it is, again, it's because you're authenticated. Like the example a lot of folks come up with is the target uh, teenage daughter Target was able to algorithmically figure out she was pregnant based off of what she was buying. And then she got in big trouble with her dad because she started getting advertised uh, pregnancy stuff. That was not because of cookies tracking her. That was because she was in the Target rewards type tracking program that she volunteered her information into um, that was tied to her as an individual yeah. And that's an entirely different thing than cookies. So we give up that sort of anonymity all the time because I want my 5% off with Target. I like it. So Target is welcome to use my data to know what I'm tracking and send me stuff. Um, and I, I would rather have that 5% off and have them have that data on me than feel safe that you know, my data is not being used falsely. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a cost benefit analysis that has to happen. Go ahead, Jim. Well, I was going to say like, th this is the perfect example because that was actually going to be my next question is <laughs> um, what level of responsibility do users need to take when, you know, whether it's signing up for an account online, signing up for a rewards program, uh, signing up for a credit card, all of these things, what your responsibility do users need to take in understanding terms and conditions, which we all gloss over, um, and just knowing what, what's being done, you know, with the information. So no, that, that was a perfect example to kind of lead into that question. And, and you don't it, even and get it, going on social media, what your mm -hmm. responsibilities are for 
Well, you, yeah. when we were talking about this a month ago, month, month and a half ago, starting to queue these up, you had brought up like the the the, the apps. So that's why I want to dig into, mm-hmm. you know, people understanding, you know, the the settings of the different tools, apps, and platforms they use. So, sorry, go ahead, go ahead Jason. I, I'm multitasking while you're talking. I, I'm supposed to fill out a form for my son, <laughs> something he has to do today. So uh, that's why I'm all over the place. But um yeah, I mean, there's there's some level of responsibility that we have to bear, but we also have to be realistic. We can we can say, well, no one reads the terms and conditions. Like, well, have you seen them? You know, the, this is the basically lawyers inventing reasons why they need to have corporate jobs. It, it's insanity. Like, yeah. you know, and so we've kind of just gotten to that point where we click through and we don't know what we're agree- agreeing to. But at a at a top level, we have to have some kind of base understanding to say, okay. If we're signing into my loyalty program, if I'm going to the grocery store and I'm scanning my card or I'm using my phone number because I want my free bread from Harmons, then I have to have some level of knowledge that they're aggregating that data on me to do some kind of analysis to say, Jason likes to buy bread and he buys, you know, three loaves a week. And if we surface a coupon to the app, maybe he's going to buy four loaves a week. And I have to assume they're, they're using that. Um, And then on the flip side, I think as long as we're providing a way to transact more anonymously, um, then I I think we're we're fine, right? So we we just need to educate consumers that um, there is value and we have to continually, and when I say we, I'm kind of talking about businesses in general, um, we have to continually look for ways to show them that, look, if you're part of our rewards program, it's, it's valuable. And there's a cost to you. That's we get your data and we tie it to you. But here's what you get in return. Are you willing to make that exchange? And if they say no, then that's fine as well. We just have to offer them a way to purchase as a guest. You know, even then I can track it, right? Unless, you know, offline I'm paying with cash. You know, Mm -hmm. if I pay with my credit card, there's still a way to track it. But it's not the direct kind of tracking that we would see if I'm giving them my loyalty card. And I think that's really where the discussion needs to be because it's it's really pointless to try to argue about, well, I want anonymity and I want you to collect no data about me, but oh, by the way, I want all these benefits and good things that come with being part of a loyalty program that you are rewarding me for knowing what I'm buying and doing within your your store. Yeah. I think a lot of the, the orgs that would offer that, that uh, informed consent and, and trade of, you know, we'll give you these perks if you give us, uh, you, let us use your data. They've got a tough job ahead of them because of all of the the fear and confusion that has been sown about data that uh, it sounds so much scarier than it is. And you can see a lot of companies trying to figure out how do we present this in a, in a palatable way, not necessarily to trick them, but I guess to, to trick them out of the false mindset of how dangerous this is that the media has given them or the brave or uh, what, what's the duck browser that there's ad, the billboards for everywhere. Like get out of, what is that? Is it duck, duck, go? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Duck, 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 yeah duck, duck, go. And then the brave um, browser. Yeah, now there's there's a browser for it, and they they have actual billboards nearby that are like that that are all about how bad it is to be tracked, and um, that just infuriates me. The first question you have to ask yourself when you're seeing that is, what are they trying to sell me? 
they're, it's not it's not altruism, right? No. They're not they're not paying money for these billboards because they're looking out for the consumer's best interest. They're trying to sell you something, and it's true of Google, it's true yeah. of Facebook, it's true of Apple. Yep. They're trying yep. to sell you something. Yeah, Safari with uh, app tracking. Um, uh, what does ATT stand for? Can't remember. ATT. Um, and ITP and all of that, like they, they're not doing it because they're noble and want to protect us. Um, they, they have incentive <laughs> to do so. Um, yeah, I don't think we, we all have good enough visibility into that, focusing too much on cookies. Jason's gone now. Yeah, Jason's <laughs> gone. gone. Yeah, and, and that's why I go back to, and I want to have a whole episode on it, is, is you know, is our cookies the smokescreen? Are they, are they a diversion? Because you're right, like, you know, how much of the, you know, the information that I think all three of us are concerned about as far as what could be potentially privacy violations and, and getting into that, you're not going to see any of that in cookies. So yeah, like the, the hype up of, of cookies and needing to, to stop doing that, 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 that's all a distraction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like with GDPR and you now can't go anywhere on the web without getting annoying, huge pop-ups that warn you about cookies. Um, and yet later on, it's very easy. I'll sign in with Facebook cause it's easier. I don't want to create a separate account for this. Doing that just gave them so much more potential for your personal data. And yet that's nobody's really looking at or we're dealing with that. Um, and I, I say it regularly, but to me, it's, it's like privacy theater. It's like the security theater of going through the, the line at the airport and taking your shoes off. Does taking your shoes off help anyone? No, but we've got privacy pop-ups, so we are protected. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, people have just gone with that default because businesses have also had a fear that if we don't have this, then we're, someone's going to come along and slap us with some fines. So not yep. a lot of thought has been put into it. I'm starting to see that change a little bit. I'm wondering if you, if you are seeing it as well, where um, I'm seeing companies playing around with the different types of ways that is presented. And I've seen a couple extremes. One, and I wish I had noted the company because I thought it was really, really well done where they had um, not the little, you know, bar at the bottom or the thing we're so used to seeing and just now we instinctively dismiss, but a little light box that popped up and said, here's, here's why accepting this is going to make a much better customer experience for you. And mm -hmm. they actually kind of took yeah. the time to explain. I'm like, wow, that was really well done. Yeah. Um, I've seen, I've seen others kind of take the opposite, a bit more heavy handed approach saying, well, if you don't accept this, our website's going to break and it's going to suck. So you might as well just go somewhere else now. <laughs> so, um, but you know, I'm seeing companies at least start to break away from that generic messaging and at least try to come up with something to communicate a little bit more directly with their consumers. Yeah. Well, you brought up a good point about messaging. So this is a bit rhetorical, but also just to end another segue here. You know, like everybody, when all of this stuff started getting rolled out, was just going with like the default recommendation from, you know, you know, from the appropriate agencies as far as how GDPR needs to be messaged and cookies need to be messaged. And, and sometimes it seems really, really scary if you don't know what it actually is or is doing. And Jason, you brought up something where it's like, this is what it does. This is the benefit for you. This is why it's good to good to accept it. Um 
I mean, it almost feels like, and well, actually this is going to be more of a statement than a question. It almost feels like sometimes like that legalese messaging is, is meant to just further the fear porn of, yeah. of this, what we, you know, what we see is, is data that actually provides value and distracts from the actual, you know, concerns. Yeah. You know where I, I want there to be a big pop-up is like, if I'm, if I want to donate money to a political uh, figure, I want a big pop-up saying, if, if you do this, you will get emails that you will never be able to escape dozens of them a day until the end of time. And there is zero way that you can possibly digitally donate money to this person without that, that, that is a privacy problem that I want to, I want the ability to opt in or out of that. Um, I don't, but but we don't get that. We get we get cookie pop-ups. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't think that was answering your question in any way. Uh, it was just it's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> no, but it does bring up a, a good point as far as um, privacy issues that we really should care about. Um, again, I think we've we've kind of created this um, this straw man of like cookies and being able to track your purchasing patterns on website a and, and we've used that to kind of attack things um but for most of us i don't think there are we can really articulate a lot of cases where that really bothers us or concerns yeah. us or makes our day worse off however to your point jen there are a lot of cases where you know maybe um maybe i go to a car dealership website and i and i want to get a quote on selling my used car and i fill out the form and I give them my cell phone number so we can text back and forth. And then they instantly, and by the way, this has happened before, um, turn around and sell my cell phone number to some kind of clearinghouse. And now every car dealer in the damn country is like texting me and da, da, da. I'm like, oh, that's the privacy I'm concerned yeah. about, right? Like, I don't care that you tracked that I came to your website and I looked at pages A, B, and C. I care how safe you are with my personal information and are you going to sell it and misuse it? Yeah, for me, it absolutely is like privacy to me is less about data and more about accessibility to me. I want control over who can access me. Um, and, and unfortunately, none of our privacy initiatives really focus on that at all. What are what are your thoughts? All right. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with either of you that it, it really is is theater in most cases. And I think even in GDPR, you know, I we take a look at several European co uh, companies. And I'm like, how many of these are really actually fully compliant? Um, I don't think many of them are, uh, but they have the the seal that they are and they have the, the pop-ups that they are. And, and so, you know, I think a lot of it is just for, for show and it's giving this false sense of security. And I love the analogy with um, the shoes at the airport. Um, Absolutely. It gives a false sense of security that it's it's your your privacy and your data is is being protected. I'm wondering how much worse that gets, especially in the United States, where we don't have a a union. You know, we don't have like a North American or a NAFTA or like group of countries. Not only that, we're not even looking at it as a country level. So you have I think California has been the leader with the California Consumer Privacy act but now we've seen a handful of other states i want to say colorado maybe a few others that have Virginia, come online nevada yeah they with, with their own flavor of it 
Um, so one, from a technology perspective, how incredibly complex is this going to get? And is it only going to further the theater of it? Because as let's say as a small retailer, how do I have the ability to try to keep up with, you know, 80 different, uh, sets of regulations and merely right now, merely getting a list of which States in the U S either have a consent law or have one that's going to happen soon. It's impossible. Like I've got three different PDFs that I've been looking at that supposedly summarize it all. And they all three list different States. Um, it's really, really difficult right now uh, to, to stay on top of, and there is no overall expert, um, unfortunately. So what we'll end up doing is we'll try to solve this with software. Um, and we'll have, we'll have companies come in and are, that are already players in the space and, and probably new entrants to say, well, you know, you just deploy our, our code and your tag manager and it just is going to handle everything. I, I, I don't know that this is something that we can just solve with adding another piece of software to, the, to our site. It was really interesting while I was doing all of this research on privacy stuff, um, trying to figure out for the purposes of GDPR, if, uh, say, Google Analytics, just because that's more broadly used, um, if that requires uh, opt-in, because it's it doesn't technically, maybe it was CCPA instead of GDPR, it doesn't technically have personal in info of yours on that uh, Google Analytics cookie. It's just an ID. And three or four different websites, lawyer websites, said, no, you're probably safe to have Google Analytics on your site without requiring an opt-in. The one site that said you absolutely are not safe to do that was the consent manager um, tool that had a blog that was super <laughs> helpful and was gonna walk you through everything you needed to know about GDPR or CCPA, whichever it was. And it will be easier if you buy our software and we can mm -hmm. just click a button and make that happen. Yeah, and that goes back to my point of, you know, and I, I don't think that they're doing it maliciously, no. but I, I, I do think that you have to look for the motive. And if, you know, you're reading on vendor A's website about this privacy concern, you have to ask the question, are they trying to sell me a solution? Are they trying to sell me services? Like, what are they trying to sell me? They're not, they're probably not just doing this to educate the, the marketplace. They're, they're trying to sell me something. And so you just have to take it with a, a grain of salt. What's really interesting to me is that none of these things, like it, in theory, it's all about control, that you now have control over uh, uh, what cookies there are. The newest one with Apple announcing that they are not going to allow pixels in their app anymore to let email vendors know that emails have been read. Um, I, If I really, really dig and I'm really on top of things, I can know that that's a thing and I might be able to go in and uncheck that setting. But there is no extension. Maybe there is now, but I've looked and looked every month or so. I'll be like, surely someone's invented one now that will auto accept all of the privacy uh, allow cookie things. Many extensions will automatically close them or you can say automatically reject, but nobody's given me the control to accept them. <laughs> uh, that's because that's a much harder um, thing to get people excited about. Like, oh, if, if you don't accept them, you're not going to get personalized advertising. That's, that's a much harder sell than if you do accept them, then they're going to track you and know everything you do. How, how much of this do you think, Jim, remind me if you and I had this conversation around the internet setting the expectation that 
um, if it's on the internet, it's it's our right to have it for free or for cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we, we, we've touched on that a couple times. How much do you think that plays into this this conversation? Because again, we want we want to be able to go to content sites and watch streaming content. We want to read news. We want to consume uh, other um, other pieces that people have created. We want to go to retail websites and we want to be able to have the lowest price, which is often driven by data to to find efficiencies. We, we want all this. And what, what was the saying? We want our cake and eat it too. Like we want all of this good stuff, but we don't want to give the data that allows that good stuff to, to be there. We, we just want, we think that there's this magical place where all of this stuff can be created for free or low cost without any input from us. And we just deserve to have it because internet. Yeah. And that's, um, I, I, I do, uh, Fairly regularly, I'll do STEM day or whatever at the elementary schools and go in and talk about what I do. And, and that's one of the, the big things that I talk about is uh, why, why, does, why do websites exist? And all the little kids raise their hands and, okay, you know, it's easy to say why Home Depot, Walmart exists, but why does CNN exist? And all the little kids don't really have any idea. Like it's, it's advertising um, is how they get their money. And you have to start training yourself to think about how are they getting money? Um, how, what is, what is their MO? And once you become more aware of that, then um, it makes a lot more sense that, you know, of course it's, it's about data and advertising. Yeah. And I think it's just a tough thing for people to wrangle with that there, there's some kind of cost that there's some kind of price that I'm paying to get something in return. And that, I mean, that has long been such an easily held belief in commerce but for some reason, when we went yeah. to consuming things digitally, that whole paradigm broke down. Or apps. That's the other one that's come up with my kids a lot with mobile apps. They're like, oh, I hate ads. And I'm like, well, do you, did <laughs> do you, you pay, pay for, for the app? <laughs> no. Well, why? what incentive does the developer have to make an app for you then? Um, that, yeah. and, and then we ended up going with Apple Arcade and realizing how glorious it is to actually pay to not have any advertisements in any of your games. Um, like that is something I'm willing to pay. Uh, but there isn't really a way to do that on the internet and say, Hey, yeah. tell you what, CNN, I'll give you three cents to view this article. Um, if, if you don't track me. Yeah. There's, there's not a easy way to do it across platforms right. or providers. Yeah. And, and, and when there is, um, I don't think that we've thought about the cost of being able to consume at the same level that we have before in that. And I, and I've been thinking about this from a streaming services standpoint. I'm like, I have like 14 different streaming services, like whether it's music or TV and it's like, they're, they're not expensive. Some of them are like two 99 a month. I'm like, that's so cheap. But then I look at all of them. I have, I'm like, well, I'm paying like $2,000 a year for streaming services. Crazy. Right. And so I think, to, to that point, Jen, like the cost may be very low if there was even a way to do that. But if we think about everything we're consuming, it adds up really, really quickly. So if, if we're not willing to pay that price, um, which I think a lot of us are, um, some of us aren't, and maybe there's a, in, in some cases we are, in some cases we're, we're not, where we're not, there, there, ha- there has to be a cost because, you know, the developers, the creators, they're not just doing it to put good content out in the world. They're 
they're looking to make money. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people conflate the annoyance of ads with the being tracked. Like, oh, I, I hate having advertisements all over the web. Therefore, I hate cookies. But getting rid of the cookies is not going to get rid of the advertisements. It's just going to make them less relevant to you. Yeah, it's just um, going to change. And we're not giving people an ability to opt out of, of invasive advertising. We're giving them the ability to opt out of cookies. Yeah. I mean, and you know, we've, Jen, you and I have seen this a, a long time going back to our, our time at, at Omniture. We've seen so many different iterations of tracking changing, cookies changing, search changing. And the, the, the immediate response was always, this is going to kill marketing. It's over. We're never going to, this is, this is ending everything. And it never did. It changed it, but it's still happening. And sometimes it's changed it for the better. And honestly, sometimes it's changed it for the worse. But if we think that this is going to stop the things that we're most annoyed with, it's not. I mean, companies and marketers and advertisers, they're going to absolutely find a way around it. Yeah. So if that's our goal to stop it, we're going to be um, pretty unhappy. It's like, you know, Jim and I were talking about how it's a giant game of whack-a-mole. That, uh, okay, so Apple no longer allows you to do third party. Okay, we'll use C names. Then the next year, Apple no longer lets you do C names. Well, I mean, we can maybe do other DNS record tricks. But if we do that, in next year, Apple's going to say none of that. Um, and it's it's just going to be this never-ending game of us finding a, a, a workaround. Um, and I don't even feel like it's a dishonest, like, Oh, they, they made this regulation to prevent tracking and I'm going to find a way to track anyways. It's, uh, they, they made the regulation to prevent harm from certain types of tracking and they just cast such a broad net that they completely forgot that, uh, you know, product analytics and user experience analytics and all of that, um, are not their enemy. Um, so we, we keep finding a way to, to keep doing those experience analytics, but then the broad net catches us again and we have to figure out a new way yep yep um so as we start to to, to wrap up you know we, we we've covered a lot here um jason it's another one of those episodes where we've talked about a bunch of things and not necessarily like there's like a firm conclusion which is which which is great to have from time to time um to to, to wrap us up uh i'd like to get both of your thoughts on how do individuals and then how do companies help further along productive conversations around privacy and get away from the fear porn? You know, what, you know, what, how do people truly understand and where can they find information? I don't know around, you know, what is, which should be a true privacy concern versus not. And then how can companies message to their consumers again, this is how we truly protect your privacy. This, your privacy means this to us, and I'm probably giving my part of the answer, but yeah, I'm just going to shut up now and get, get both of your thoughts on that to, to start wrapping things up. No, I think like Jason was saying, or maybe it was Jim, that uh, we're seeing more and more of those privacy pop-ups actually describe, here's why we're doing what we're doing and how it benefits you. I think that's going to be a really big part of this, um, that we've got to inform people why it's a benefit to them and, and what the actual risk is because it's probably not what they think it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree that that needs to be a place that we start is from an education standpoint and, and really helping show consumers 
Um, this isn't some, you know, hidden box that we're collecting this information. Here's what we're doing and here's how it's benefiting you is, is something we need to think more creatively about from, from a business standpoint. Um, I, I think it's a matter of investing in just research and education and, and just questioning, you know, if you're getting hit up from a vendor, especially if they're putting like really tight deadlines on you, like this offer expires in 48 hours, be, be a little bit cautious. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of companies right now using this opportunity to sell products and services based on fear. And some of the information they're, they're sharing is absolutely true. Some of it, they've, they've really, uh, put a Hollywood script behind to make it a lot more crazy than it, it really is. And their desire is to get you to make an emotional decision to buy and don't do it, you know, take their information they give, um, try to validate it, go ask for someone else's opinion, uh, talk with your colleagues in other companies and see what they're doing. Maybe bring in agencies that specialize in, in this and have no vendor ties to be able to give you their opinion um, as a independent outside voice. Um, but just think and you know nothing is going to happen in the next 48 hours the next 72 hours just slow the conversations down and really inform yourself and and make decisions and and finally and jen and i were talking about this this morning um no one really has the answers this is this is so fluid it's changing all the time if someone's saying they know everything and they're they're the expert they're not um we're, we're all trying to keep up with this and don't don't feel bad that you don't have a firm grasp on it because no one does but it is worth your time to um, make it a priority to continually try to stay up with it and inform yourself, but don't beat yourself up for not knowing all the answers. Yeah, and especially when it comes to what are the solutions and the workarounds and all of that, that's where right now there there is a huge lack of expertise in the industry of, oh no, we're going cookie list. We have to now go server side. Okay, but how do you identify the user in those server side requests? Have you thought that part through? Because odds are it's going to come back to there needing to be a cookie somewhere. Um, that uh, no, yeah, we, we're just not there yet. People aren't thinking quite through. And, and to be honest, I think in some cases there merely are answers. There is not a good way to get more than seven days of attribution on Safari right now because of ITP. Anyone who tells you that there is, they, they maybe there's a crazy workaround. I know that there's like the proxying stuff that you can do, but don't count on that lasting because whack a mole, they're going to whack that mole next month. So, yeah, um, yeah I it, you have to accept that there aren't good solutions, there isn't a solve to make it so that you get all of the attribution that you want. Um, yeah. and don't believe anyone who says that there is. Yeah, there is not a magic solution to, to this, and I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm not going to call out the the vendor by name, but I was sitting in on a call with a vendor and one of our clients and they were presenting um, to them, pushing them incredibly hard that they had to move their entire uh, MarTech implementation over to server side. And that was going to solve all of their problems and none of this stuff would be an issue and it's just going to work great. And I'm kind of scratching my head and thinking along the lines of Jen. And I finally just asked, I said, well, wait a minute how are you doing a, if you don't have a cookie to identify B and they said, and I was blown away. Well, well yeah, you still need a cookie uh, for, for now, but our hope is that at some point in the time in the future, if you invest in server side, that that will go away. But yeah, yeah. For the, for the foreseeable future, you'll still need a cookie. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Good, good episode, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was, this was great. So 
Um, yeah, I think at, at this point, you know, we'll go ahead and wrap up. You know, thank you both for 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 the conversation today. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where I think it, it, you're right. You you said it. it it's an ever evolving conversation. Things are always always changing. Um, but I think you know, if anything, we need to get out in front of some of the words that are used because I think like they're overused to the point where they become ambiguous, have no meaning, and and I'll say that that's probably done intentionally. To, yeah. to kind of obfuscate what, uh, what 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 some of the true problems are, for sure, for sure. Cool. All right. Well, again, thank you both. No, and thank we'll you. Catch everybody later. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thirty Three Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics